Hey, Mike, how's it going? Uh, not bad at all. How was Thanksgiving? Oh, delicious. <laughs> and and uh, we didn't fight any wars, which was like, <laughs> I realized it was like Helpful. a thing that we probably should have done to really celebrate it. But uh, no, it was very quiet, like with my family and my nephews and, uh, you know, close, close family. Um, Did you have any squash? We so my mom felt really bad because the squash didn't like didn't fit in the oven. So she said she told me to apologize to you on air. <laughs> so, so you had raw squash, or like you just couldn't have it at all? Uh, we we are still eating squash now. It just didn't make it in during the dinner. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, but and it still made an appearance. Do take a picture for me because I still don't know what it is. I still think it's kind of like an American zucchini. <laughs> okay, now we have to change your thinking. Yeah. Yeah, so this is our last episode for the year. Um, you're listening to the Americanist podcast. My name is Johannes Ehrmann over in Berlin, Germany. And I'm joined by my dear friend, Mike Bayoki over in Maine. Mike, still in a Thanksgiving mood? How's it going? It's going well. <laughs> uh, you know, like, it's, it's good to be back with my family uh, after this crazy year. And spent a couple weeks, you know, quarantining to get here and, you know, I get to hang out with them for uh, a couple more weeks before I head back to California. So when you look back on this year, what, what stands out to you? Um, man, there, you know, the thing, the crazy thing is like, there's just so much to stand out. Like it's hard to keep anything in my mind. Uh, you know, I think probably one of the biggest things is like, I'm just really relieved about the way the elections have gone here in the United States. I think that really was potentially something mm. you know if we had ended up in any other situation other than essentially like a landslide for mm. biden i think things could have been really bad mm. and it was for a few days kind of tense right yeah we were talking during that time we were recording a podcast before the election results was clear now it's actually 80 million votes for biden and no one could have foreseen that yeah <laughs> I apologize. The microphone's probably picking this up, but it is so cold here in Maine today that my heater is like going extra hard. So, what's the temperature in Celsius, please? In Celsius, I don't know, minus five thousand. What do you? Get? It's cold, man. It's, it's what cold, is it in me. Fahrenheit? Four five one. I think it's like twenty five or something like that in Fahrenheit. Ooh, that's be that's below zero in Celsius, right? Yeah, that's right. Ooh, yeah, yeah, it's some some negative number for you guys All right. yeah it, so uh <laughs> I, will, i will try to deal with i'll try to manage that but the heater is just doing its darndest to keep me warm <laughs> that's fine <laughs> we're doing this cozy atmosphere for the listeners that's right so um yeah you're right i mean we it was it was nerve-wracking when the numbers were not in you're mm. right i mean like we didn't but that was that was about an unknown right we were just mm. you know they report we were very slow in how we counted and that kind of stuff mm. Which was good looking back, right? I mean, at least you got it right in the end. Yeah, that's right. The recounts didn't have any other results so far, or no. at least not significantly. No. Just a few hundred votes, maybe. No, there's there's one thing that like sort of like brings me mild joy is Trump's campaign paid three million dollars for part of a recount in Wisconsin, and that recount ended up giving Joe Biden an, <laughs> another hundred and thirty votes. So that was very kind of the Trump administration to pay for or the Trump campaign to pay for that. <laughs> So in the, when we recorded the trailer for this podcast, um, I think you're being quoted as like, 2020 has been the craziest year, right? <laughs> so yeah. could it have been any worse? I actually think it could have been, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Big sigh. Oh, man. That is a dark scenario. Man, you want to go there? So what do you? What, what are some things that occur to you? No, no, no. I mean, I, I basically just want to highlight that uh, a lot of things went right as well uh, in this year. Um, yeah. Okay. And and we can we can go on the on the personal <laughs> level maybe, but also like on the on the yeah. more we started with the elections now, and I I just um, read a piece in the Guardian um, that laid out five reasons basically that uh, saved American democracy or that made the system hold up because we talked about it before. Yeah. It was like. This is going to be a stress test for your system, your political values, uh, and also just the whole framework. Um, and it came up with these these five points. Um, the first one was decentralization. So actually, that you guys don't have a central election board that all the states yeah. were doing that in, independently, and that actually helped ensure the independence of these individual vote counts, right? Because that's right. if there would have been a federal election official, Trump would have replaced him already probably years ago, right? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And um, second point, turnout. Actually, it's now estimated that the total turnout is going to be 20% more than ever before. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> with Bi with wow. Biden now at 80 million. Yeah. And also Trump, of course, the, the most votes for any runner-up ever, yeah. As well, so but I mean that's a, that's a win for democracy, right? Like high turnouts. And Absolutely. I remember when when I studied, you know, American studies, it was always like, yeah, wow, the turnout there is even much much lower um, than in Europe, um, and this is actually not not a great sign for for the democracy there. So if we reverse that, that's actually a, a great sign, right? Yeah, and and if you think about it as well. The pandemic put up a lot of barriers for people mm -hmm. to vote. I guess it was also a motivating force for voting, but mm -hmm. I mean, in the middle of like risky environment, people still showed up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then let's just quickly walk through the, the other three points. Integrity slash transparency was one of them. So I guess this also means I think all the yeah. election officials and you know, we've we've talked about that at length in, in our election episodes. Um, That's right. For example, Kathy Bookwar in, in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Secretary of State, who just you know all these all these people went out with very very dedicated work and very sort of transparently laying out what they were doing, why they were doing it, at the pace they were doing it, um, and I think that really helped. Oh yeah, and I mean like there are cameras in the room like video recording there are you know yeah. like there were multiple rounds of counting where there were observers mm -hmm. from all different sides of the issue and so yeah it was though it was contested it was very very transparent mm -hmm. number four the courts that basically threw out most of these yeah. crazy claims from the trump camp <laughs> within days yeah yeah it wasn't even like throwing out it was like get this trash out of here like some of the judges were <laughs> unambiguous about how unimpressive these challenges were they were very forceful in their rejections i think the most impressive about that whole uh, trump lawsuit campaign was rudy giuliani sweating through his hair dye <gasps> it's so one of the grossest <laughs> one of the grossest images of my 2020 i have to say uh there was a interesting reporting by the Washington Post, I think this weekend, that that image infuriated Donald Trump and basically is part of what broke his spirit. Yeah. Okay, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> He's such a first level guy. It's just yeah, just, a, right. just a gross <laughs> image would just turn him off on TV over and over again. Oh, yeah, God. And then actually, yeah, talking about TV, uh, number five, uh, the media. Um, and it was um, yeah. stating as one point, Fox News calling earlier than all the other channels, Arizona for Biden. So there was yeah. at, at a time when American media is probably as partisan more or when American media yeah. is more partisan um, than it might have ever been or since the founding of the nation, maybe it was very yeah. partisan. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to call you on some history here. I mean, like yeah. we were pretty partisan, like, yeah. you know, up, yeah, I think like sort of this period of more stabilized national, like that's probably mm. since like the 50s, 40s kind of thing. Mm. Uh, we, we've had some very bad yellow journalism that led us into several wars based on you know, different okay. parties interests and stuff. Pretty impressive to see that that Fox News that basically was known as just um, a mouthpiece for Trump for a long time of his presidency. Yeah, apparently was relying on their own stats teams there, and you right. mentioned it that they have one of the best stats teams in the nation as well, right? For yeah, their with with the most insulation, with the most protection from management. Yeah, and and like mm -hmm. that's one of those moments where things could have gone very differently based mm -hmm. on just a little bit of a decision. It, it was pretty clear going in, and we discussed this, that Trump's objective or his one of his first line plans was to mm. that night, because they knew that the mail-in ballots would be mostly Democrat, mm. that they would declare victory based on where things were that night, mm. um, you know, on, on mm -hmm. the election night. Yeah. But because, it, uh, because Fox called Arizona for Biden, that plan got thrown into disarray. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason that the Trump response was so chaotic. They had to switch from we are winning because they weren't <laughs> mm. to there was, you know, election fraud, which they weren't as well prepared for. And mm. that's part of the reason that it was just a disaster. Like there, mm. whatever it was that they just attempted, if you want to call it a coup, if you want to call it challenges, mm. Mm. they were ill prepared because they had been planning out uh, mm. a very different strategy. But what is the status quo now? Um, I haven't followed the US news so closely over sure. the last one week or two, but it seems from what I've been getting the headlines, uh, it's kind of like Trump basically has conceded without conceding, kind of. <laughs> yes. I think it, it, the closest he got is a tweet saying that he has instructed the sort of preparations. Uh, it was sort of like, that is close. He, he, you know, he's still saying it was fraud. He's still saying all these kinds of things, but it, it, you're right. I think at this point, everybody is seeing that it's not a real issue. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are seeing that before. But um, it's interesting, you know, watching sort of right wing media try to reconcile this mm -hmm. um, because they're having to sort of walk it back fairly abruptly. I think like Trump has lost interest in sort of pursuing it mm -hmm. in an aggressive way. So, yeah, there's not going to be a real continued fight here mm. i think it'll become a story sort of the way that like trump and those folks pursued like the birtherism with mm. with obama mm. uh it's probably going to become or like benghazi where it's not everybody basically knows it's not a real issue but it just mm. becomes like a talking point that they build stories up on it's mm. it's now entered into that category it's no mm. longer a real issue it becomes like a i don't know a story that they tell each other to make each other excited kind of thing mm. Mm -hmm. yeah Talking about Obama, I'm, I'm actually just reading the the new book that has just came out from him. Very detailed, man. <laughs> I 
<laughs> I mean, it's a great read. It's a great read. Um, and uh, yeah, I love, I love how he writes, but it goes to a level of detail. And I think that's just the way he functions as well. Um, he goes into yeah. a lot of detail about all these, you know, financial bailout. And I'm like, I'm, I, I, <laughs> I'm very, very interested. So the first, I don't know, 100 pages are, are amazing. First 100 pages, absolutely amazing because he, uh, again, uh, lays out this, um, yeah, the way um, he became a politician and how also his family was involved mm. in, in the decisions, how his family grew and where he came from and, uh, you know, how he ran in Chicago at first and, and then for Senate. And so this is super fascinating. Um, um, but then when it comes to the actual yeah. presidency, I think he wants to be super nuanced uh, to also try and defend a lot of policies. Yeah. And I catch myself now uh, skipping and skimming through through the middle part somehow <laughs> i'm i'm still very very interested into in all the little details how they move in you know this is kind of the, like the great stuff you know i was how he's moving in with his two daughters into the white house and yeah. um how they have to convince the butlers to uh, not wear their tuxedos anymore uh, and just wear khakis and polos <laughs> at some point <laughs> it's okay oh. bringing a, bringing a bit of swagger and coolness into the white house yeah. Um, so for those of you listening um, who want to get the book for Christmas, recommend it. But mm. middle parts <laughs> so far, I'm not, I'm not through yet. Uh, <laughs> but it is a detailed read. Uh, I think in German, it's, some, it's more than a thousand pages. In English, I think it's 700 wow. something. Um, so yeah. yeah, we always make things even more complicated in our language. Yes. 30% more complicated. Yeah, more detailed than you. Yeah, no, it's just yeah, it's like that. Just longer words, you know, hiding the verb a <laughs> couple of pages on. <laughs> are you are you going to read it? Oh yeah, I, you know, so I I promised myself I would read a for fun book and so that's what I'm doing right mm. now. Uh, but that I already got the audible uh, version of it so I could get to hear him tell to read the story to me. So he's actually reading it to you then. Yeah, yeah. Man's a quadruple threat. Have you already tuned in? I have not yet. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I don't know. Could it have been worse 2020? What stood out for you? Um, what were some positives, some negatives? Yeah, I think um, so. The things that I was kind of concerned about are, and, and, and I still am, um, th there's a huge economic impact from this. And, mm. you know, I think the estimates from, International Monetary Fund, like, and like, mm. um, other folks like, you know, Dallas Fed, like, is that GDP probably like we lost 5% constriction, mm. um, on, on GDP globally. Mm. And then like parts of the U S you know, most of Europe, it's about a 7% uh, mm. loss to GDP gross domestic product, sort of like a measurement of the economy, yeah. um, which, which for someone who has no clue about the economy, like myself, doesn't sound a whole lot. Right, right. So usually we get expansions every year at some, you know, relatively stable clip. And if you have a world population that's growing, if you have sort of people anticipating mm -hmm. growth, it's sort of like, if your car, if you're anticipating your car is going to continue moving at, you know, 60 kilometers an hour, and then all of a sudden it changes abruptly mm. to, mm. or like that, you're gonna have to speed up to pass this other car. And so you're anticipating going up to 70 kilometers per hour, and all of a sudden you hit 50. Mm. Like, you really have to recalibrate, right? Like, so here's another way to say it. Here's a much better way to say it is during the financial crisis of 2008, um, and during the earlier one in 2001, mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have a constriction of the GDP. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's worse than so, that. 
in in a very real sense like a huge chunk of like the energy of our mm. uh, world economy just disappeared a huge because it's so dependent still on the u.s economy yes uh well so you know uh you guys also uh lost a big chunk i'm not we're sure fine. exactly we're fine. what are you is. talking about it's it's fine <laughs> we're all good <laughs> you guys are always fine yeah especially with deutsche bank telling you guys you guys i see all the christmas decorations i think we're good trying to be upbeat here mike what are you doing <laughs> yeah no 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 well, I, well we'll get back so i think like a lot of you know in some real sense uh let me let me also be a little bit like uh sorry, I, i'm the i'm the middle part of obama's book <laughs> That's that's what oh. I, I realized. <laughs> Sorry, could I, um, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get another beer here. <laughs> but there's some numbers I need to share. No, so I, I mean, like some of it is just like people went on pause, right? And and so mm. things like here, you know, when that kind of stuff happens, that's when polit like when people get very angry, things get very bad, right? Like when the economy mm. really falters, mm. that's when like countries go to war or like people start over. We haven't seen that too much yet and I, you know there's some concern that maybe that mm. there's a delay you mm. know like we might really start feeling the economic impact about it mm. here you know like you know in, in the in 2021 that's a, that's a real possibility um but the stability during that cratering of the economy that mm. was really impressive like mm. the the way that the world um governments like sort of interacted the other thing here in the united states mm. those black lives matter and other forms of protests did not degenerate you know they mm -hmm. there were moments there where i was very concerned that maybe like trump mm -hmm. would use government forces or you know like uh elements of uh the protesters would become more violent mm -hmm. and you know while there's definitely some losses like oh man just mm -hmm. yeah the sense of relief um that things did not go further and and, and that um just to be clear when i say protests like there were some armed protests by what i would call right-wing folks like mm. in michigan like when they were sort of taking over the government buildings and stuff or yeah yeah but those were isolated incidents right it was exactly all and, and i want to say well it scares me to see someone mm. show up you know in a mm. place of discussion and democracy with weapons um like i, I don't like that that is a very mm. bad thing mm. um what I did appreciate is that they, like, it didn't escalate, right? Mm, those are very mm. tense moments. And, mm. uh, even, you know, those folks didn't go, mm. uh, the next step. I mean, there were people who were plotting, but mm. I think the huge blow to the economy and I think the political unrest around this, mm. uh, you know, Corona that could have gone so much worse. That could have gone so much worse. And I think mm. that means that we do still have trust in each other. You know, mm -hmm. it does mean that we still are willing to work together. Um, that kind of stuff really played through. Yeah, and I, th I think we shouldn't forget, um, and those were, I think, the most scary pictures and the most scary weeks was in March here when also all the European and most of the global supply chains just immediately uh, broke down. And we had, these, I, we had these images here on the news where there were these hundreds of delivery trucks or you know big trucks yeah. who tried to cross from germany into poland which is an open border now but wasn't at the time anymore and those were like images from a time that was long past and every country even every european country uh, was isolating itself shutting down the borders and um and no one knew how long this would take right and right. but it only took a few weeks um and then and then people 
rallied and politicians got together and uh, yeah the the supply chains got back up thankfully um, and of course you know a lot and of industries are still suffering one thing to mention is that hidden behind that is people had worked out protocols for this like mm. so the world health organization mm. and infectious disease and, and so i can't stress enough that there was a lot of really good planning that may have not been obvious that slowly the gears started to work through people mm. pulled out the deep thinking that people and mm. you know like administrators had been doing for years in anticipation of this kind of stuff yeah. so we're lucky because a lot of it is about trust um and yeah. to have those protocols ready to go really hit, really saved a lot i mean it's it's been a year of a lot of bad news um but now that we're nearing also the holidays you just had your massive massive holiday uh <laughs> massive thanksgiving holiday for us uh, christmas is coming up um and um yeah so um, i'm sort of really starting to fade out of this year <laughs> really, like i'm also yes. just fed up with depressing news i'm just like i'm gonna yeah. look ahead it's a kind of my mood in a song kind of is like that right now <laughs> you know yes <laughs> so so that's um I'm I'm just looking ahead uh, to to 2021 yeah. uh, at this point, um, and I'm sure you are as well, right? Um, there's <laughs> there's some some things to look forward to, and it's always I, I always work in this. It's it's interesting because I don't know if you work in sort of like an ag academic year cycle, but I actually work in a calendar year cycle. Uh, I've mm. noticed several years ago, even when I was freelancing. Um, I kind of at some point, and usually it's around that time, end of November or middle of December, I really kind of reach that low, low point where I'm just kind of just, yeah, I'm, I'm done for the year. Um, yeah. And then I need to recharge for two, three, four weeks. Um, and then funnily enough, usually in the first or second week of January, it's like, you know, like switch back on and then off to new projects. It's, it's so insane how that somehow works. I don't know if it's tied to Christmas, all this kind of like, you know, reckoning of the year, you know, you're seeing your family, whatever. Um, I don't know, but do you, do you work the same way or do you work in an academic year? <laughs> yeah, I guess I do both. <laughs> like I really, I really <laughs> so you enjoy have four this. quarters. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of cushy and nice. It's, um, no, I mean like, but this time it's really important because I think for the reasons you mentioned about like mm. coming together with family and like the rest of the world is also celebrating sort of a mm. renewal. Yeah. But I also have another one. When I hit the when I hit the submit uh, on the mm -hmm. grades in at the end of mm -hmm. spring quarter, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a there's a moment there when I'm like I'm done. <laughs> like that's, so there's a freedom, which is in May. Yeah, uh, yeah for us June, we're slightly uh, June. later. Yeah, I remember that time. Also, uh, when I was done with my year at Penn, uh, and I was actually uh, meeting you guys up in in Maine then afterwards. That's this right. Was like yeah, early or mid May or something at at the time. That's right. Uh, yeah, we took the long we road did a trip, cross country through. road trip. Yeah, yeah. Massachusetts, uh, Norman Rockwell Museum, and then the Muhammad Ali training camp in Deer Lake, <laughs> Pennsylvania. For those of you, for those of you who ever come across rural Pennsylvania, make sure to yeah. stop by in Deer Lake, uh, where Muhammad Ali trained for all his title fights. Uh, and there's these huge boulders lying around with, yeah. where he painted the names of the great heavyweights uh, of of all time: Rocky Marciano, Joe Louis. Uh, and we were there. Um, there was not, nothing there. I think I, I don't know if they've turned it into a museum by now. Back then, this is 15 years ago. Yeah, absolutely nothing there. Uh, completely yeah. amazing. Super rural. I think we. Yeah. 
I think we were like nervous that the cops are gonna they're gonna call cops on us because we were like mm-hmm. sort of like just like running around the field and running yeah. around. But it was like, totally open property as well. There was no uh, fence. We nothing. were definitely trespassing. We should probably. I think we're admitting to a, a mild crime here. <laughs> well, we also got pulled over by the cops at some point, but that that's a different story, maybe that's for right, another day. That's right. She I did think, not yeah, like I, you. I, I, you were so yeah. I did, we're gonna tell this story some other some other time. <laughs> oh god, that was not uh, not a happy moment. Um, just I, I brought too much European spirit to that uh, road trip. I think, uh, but we it was resolved. There was no international in, uh, incident. The embassy did not have to be contacted. Everything was fine. <laughs> yeah, it was resolved because I paid that bill very, very quickly as well. Because they threatened me to basically arrest me the next time I would come into the country. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's what it that said. It, that's yeah. what it said. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, nothing. So just for anyone, if if anyone is worrying, no major offenses committed. Just an an overtaking maneuver. Uh, right in front of the sheriff, which he didn't like all that much, did a U-turn and it was also actually like the sheriff station too. I think oh, either maybe, the sheriff yeah. station was yeah. yeah, sneakily behind the corner, you know, I couldn't see yeah. you you probably yeah, yeah, I, I think you kind of you were like, Didn't you see that? I was like, what? I just saw this super slow car in front of us. Uh <laughs> So, so I'm I'm especially I'm especially glad that you came up with this beautiful analogy um, comparing the economy to me on the autobahn and a truck basically blocking my way uh, and <laughs> because those are the worst moments on German highways when a truck comes comes out with like eighty kilometers an hour um, and you're about to overtake and then you you go you'll go back to gears basically yeah. So, so I, I came across actually uh, the winner of the year also of uh, of 2020. Um, oh. Yeah, and it's <laughs> my God, it's, it's a company that didn't need any boost, <laughs> but it still got one. Um, from January through October, Amazon hired another 427,000 people, which what? put its global workforce to now more than 1.2 million people, which is 50% more than in 2019. Wow. So yeah, I don't know about you. Um, I probably also am guilty here of ordering slightly more online than last year. Um, Didn't go completely overboard because also, you know, the shops here remained open for large parts of the year. But uh, yeah, man, for a company that is not very well known for overpaying its taxes and helping out communities uh, and local shops. That's not That's the greatest crazy. news, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to figure that one out. <laughs> we're definitely going to have to figure out that one. Let's talk some exciting stuff here. Um, yeah. Vaccines. Yeah. Tell me tell me all about the vaccines. I, I read about three different vaccines. When can I get the shot? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. So I'm ready to take the kids as well. Corolla yep. is up for it. So we're, so we're basically, so we're sitting on, uh, on packed bags here. Where and when? What are you doing this afternoon? I can I can get you. Where and when? Mm-hmm. You tell me. Are you sending over some shots? Or? <laughs> I've been cooking up a batch. Uh, soon. I mean, like the the earliest projections here in the United States are December twentieth to twenty first. Like Christmas present. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. It looks like you have know, some fast track stuff in the UK. I don't I don't know about the entire EU, um, but mm. things are going to move very quickly. I mean, everybody. So this is not normal. Right, <laughs> the usual yeah. protocols are like years. Yeah. 
but everybody's paying attention. Everybody's got everything in, in, you know, mm. lined up and everybody's been paying, mm. you know, each step along the way has been monitored. So it's going to move quickly. But isn't that amazing? One year ago, we didn't even know that this thing existed, Corona. Um, yeah. And now there's not only one promising vaccine candidate, um, but there's two of them, and we're going to get to them in more detail now, but two of them apparently um, hint at an efficacy of 90%, um, and the yeah. third one slightly less than that. Uh, it's yeah. still unclear. We can talk about it. Um, pretty exciting, right? Oh, extraordinarily exciting. I mean, this is a huge win. I, I mean, I just mm. can't tell you mm. how this shows how clever humans have gotten, how you know well like we are starting to understand and be able to manipulate biological systems mm. like mm. it is i get chills when i read mm. about like the stuff that i'm not sure which ones you're going to talk but like moderna and the pfizer stuff like mm -hmm. you know are essentially breakthrough technologies that haven't you know been deployed in the field mm. um and so we'll we'll talk more about in just a minute but like it is super cool <laughs> it's like science fiction level yeah so before we get into it what is your outlook like where are we in one year from now um, I would not have said this. I'm, maybe even in the podcast, I might have like mm. made a call that like this time next year or something like that, like that we would start to get back to normal. I am way more optimistic now. Mm -hmm. uh, it depends. So there's a big if, which we'll talk about, but like it, you know, I I, I don't know how things are going to roll out. Mm. Uh, but with the kinds of vaccines we're talking about, we're not talking mm. about like seventy percent, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, efficacy, mm. we're talking about much stronger levels. So like, I've heard projections as optimistic as May, things are starting to look really good. Um, again, like, you know, by the time like summer rolls, is it back to normal? I, I mean, like, we're probably gonna have, have some stuff. But like, you know, like, you probably don't, you know, there are probably countries that are still gonna like struggle, you mm. know, given how some of the vaccines are gonna be working. But um, yeah, man, I mean, mm. we're looking in like next summer, we could be in a, in a very different place than we are now. Mm. The one I'm most excited about, and you in your very American way, just call it the Pfizer stuff. <laughs> BioNTech and Pfizer, this is the equivalent of our podcast, man. This is the German-American fusion, the transatlanticism on the other level. BioNTech, which I, when I read the name, was like, oh, okay, this must be one of these like small, you know, um, biotechs. Turns out the couple that is behind the German company BioNTech are amongst the richest Germans. <laughs> They're both oh, really? billionaires. Oh. Uh, a Turkish-German couple, Ugur Shahin and Özlem Türeci, had no clue who they were. They, I think no one knew them before this all started. And now they have developed together with the US pharma giant Pfizer, um, one of the apparently most efficient um, vaccines. And so I've just read up a little bit on them um apparently this is and you're gonna love this they're apparently yeah. just you know scientists for life so apparently on the day of their <laughs> wedding they went from the lab into you know where they held their <laughs> wedding and then went straight back to the lab afterwards that's one thing i read that's that's pretty cool it's <laughs> oh, adorable um and yeah so and they're um, They've already um, sold one of their companies for billions, um, so yeah. they're loaded. They still cycle to work, apparently, and <laughs> they apparently just live for their science. And yeah. isn't that amazing? Oh, yeah. 
I, I love how deeply like into their life uh, that goes. I also love that. Do you say they're also Turkish yeah. as well? Like, yeah. Turkish, like uh-huh. this is, I mean, if you look at these companies and you unpack who was on the front line of the research, this is an, in, like, well, we might call them American companies or German companies. This mm. is international. Mm. I mean, like almost everybody on the front lines of setting up these companies and, mm. and doing the frontline science, like, mm. you know, uh, China, India, the United States, Israel, like, mm. you know, like the mm. UK, like it's just everybody mm. was involved. Like there are some really, t- uh, this is humanity mm. coming together with mm. like knowledge and skills that we mm. haven't had mm-hmm. and, and really doing this. Hard question though. Um, once this yeah. leaves the lab and goes to the big pharma companies, um, and I've already read that you know Trump wanted to buy whatever a few hundred million doses, uh, and uh, also some companies already conceded that it would hit the American market first. Will it be evenly distributed as well uh, among the world? This is the part that kills me. <laughs> is you know the science is out there the technologies to do this are not impossible to distribute around the world Mm. um and and get those up in manufacturing and there's really good production in many different locations Mm -hmm. um there are some real issues with trying to get it into people's hands and into people's bodies and that's where the distribution networks and capitalism has like done a really good job of like building those Mm. kinds of things out the scientists, they created a new commodity. It's extraordinarily mm-hmm. important. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people who see the control of the distribution as very lucrative. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, man, that scares me. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's part of what I would be concerned about. Here's the thing is because several different organizations have produced very effective vaccines, mm. we're not in a lockout kind of environment. Many mm-hmm. different organizations can do this. Mm-hmm. This is not just one that controls a vaccine yeah. or something like that. There's there's going to be even more vaccines coming online in the not too distant future as well. So I am very enth- enthusiastic that like we won't get those yeah. kinds of bizarre Trump trying to control the, the distribution of vaccines. Also, I mean, like, Trump's done. I mean, he's, yeah, I was about to say because he's not going to be around for much longer. So. No, he's, no, his 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 spirits have collapsed. He'll have other problems uh, from January twentieth on. We should be worried about it. <laughs> I mean, the distribution is going to be complicated, especially you know we we are in a good place. You know, in the mm. in the sort of um, in the U.S. in the in the European mm. Union in the U.K. like in mm. sort of healthy economy kind of stuff. I am really worried about Pakistan or you know like parts of Africa are going to mm-hmm. struggle to do some of these vaccines. So we talked about two of the candidates, BioNTech, Pfizer and Moderna. Um, but there's also one that you got really excited about the other day, uh, coming out of Oxford um, together with yeah. AstraZeneca. Um, yeah. But there were some conflicting reports now um, or some doubts about their yeah. methods. They, I just read they might have used too young of a population. Then they also only gave half a dose to some of the participants and then later yeah. a full dose. And they yeah. that was actually more effective than just a single That's, full dose. Uh, I'm going to go into the middle of the, the, the Obama book. I mean, like, this is the details, right? Like, yes, so <laughs> people, people can skip and skim. There's a 30 second yeah, right. forward yeah. button on, right. the, on the podcast. 1.5 me, two, two, two times me. Um, this, I, this breaks my heart. Like this is the team that I 
mm-hmm. like feel kinship with. Like this is mm-hmm. the team that's been like the Oxford team has been thinking about how to do these vaccines for a long time, has been like mm-hmm. up and running for a really long time. They built out their infrastructure. Like so the of the three vaccines I've been talked about a lot right now, the mm-hmm. first two, uh the you know, Pfizer mm-hmm. um and the uh, Moderna are this new type of technology. They're mRNA, messenger RNA. This is super cool. This is like frontline mm-hmm. science fiction-y. They basically can, what they did is they can go in and they can create the structure that the virus uses to attach to cells and get into cells, um, basically this hook feature. Mm-hmm. And they don't even need the virus itself. So when they got information from Wuhan, this is in January, Moderna was talking about how they sort of like developed this. They just got the the chemical information, the mm-hmm. the base like information. They didn't even need a, a version of the virus. They just got the uh, transmitted by words and numbers and letters. They got that mm-hmm. level of information about the virus. Mm-hmm. And then a couple days later, they had this version of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. They knew how to produce it. So like mm-hmm. in January, they knew what to do or they knew that, that yeah. they would be trying this out. This is just spectacular, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very different level than what Oxford team has been doing. I believe the Oxford team is using what's known as a viral vector. Um, mm-hmm. So you pay, you take basically a, like, I think it's usually like an adenovirus. So like a virus that we know mm-hmm. humans have been working with for a while. We chop that up. Mm-hmm. We put the thing that we don't like, like or sorry, mm-hmm. like basically is a version of the hook from the new virus. We put that hook onto a quote unquote friendly virus. Mm-hmm. And then we turn that loose in a human. Mm-hmm. So, there are other ways to do vaccines. Like you can basically, the proteins that have, this is a third technology that people use, mm-hmm. um, is like the viruses will produce proteins mm-hmm. and you can train a human immune system to look for those proteins and then destroy the producer of those proteins. So that's mm-hmm. a third. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe the Oxford team is using the very stable adenovirus approach. That I, I, that's what they're using. And that takes longer, but it's maybe more stable. We know we've known about you know how to use it for a long time so they were up and ready and running to running and the fact that they were able to sort of get this Mm. like out at roughly the same time as the mrna as the new fancy ones speaks to their strengths so Mm. i'm just saying i want i want this team (laughs) like this Mm. is the one that would like it would do it Mm. would go into tough climates it would go into different regions um, also much like, cheaper it, you know, this is the one that like doesn't have to be like frozen it's ch- way cheaper yeah thanks yeah and you know honestly like the mrna like we can make that cheap <laughs> it's not a question of uh science it's a question more about like uh compensation and who has the mm-hmm. technologies and that kind of stuff at the moment mm-hmm. if we were to say uh <laughs> grab the means of production mm-hmm. <laughs> or something crazy that cost could go away um, mm-hmm. it is, there's some stuff on the limits of like how there's some, there's some technical stuff about how you deploy it and the, you know, uh, that kind of stuff, but like, it's no, it's not, mm-hmm. um, we're not up against a science barrier in terms of the costs. There are other mm-hmm. human imposed constraints in terms of the cost, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 20 years from now, mm-hmm. they would cost mm-hmm. the same. AstraZeneca, who's been running the trial, they accidentally somewhere along their chain, they misproduced some of their bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of when they when they thought they were producing a, a essentially like a full dose, they were actually producing half a dose. So mm-hmm. for something like three thousand of their folks got half a dose on the initial, 
mm-hmm. then they realized what was going on and they got a full dose later on. Mm-hmm. They corrected it in something more like 6,000. They went on to have like another 6,000, 7,000 people go through their trial. Um, and they, those all got full dose at the beginning and then full dose with the booster. Mm-hmm. So right now, all of these vaccines have an initial and then they have a booster. So everybody everybody has either like, you mm-hmm. know, so you have it well, <clears throat> the first day and then it's usually like two weeks, maybe four mm-hmm. weeks later, you come mm-hmm. back and get another booster. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the statistics, it doesn't actually matter. So as a statistician, understanding how the math works, it's fine. Like mm-hmm. the fact that they accidentally gave a mm-hmm. half a dose doesn't bother me mm-hmm. as long as um, mm-hmm. nobody was like mucking around. If you start putting humans in the mix, now I get a little bit worried. And this is why people are sort of concerned is like, if you start, what we do nowadays is you don't just run a randomized trial. You come out and you say, this is how I'm going to run it. This is the Mm. code I'm going to use. These are the measurements I'm going to do. So you Mm. explain before Mm -hmm. you start Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. And then we have trained ourselves, and this is correct to be super cautious. Mm -hmm. uh, If someone starts changing the rules. So this is like, yeah. you don't go into a game and then let someone else change the rules on you, right? Mm-hmm. So you declare all the rules up front. So they are, they started to deviate from their protocols. It would be like, you know, having having a century old election system and then in the middle of an election saying all the mail-in ballots are fraud, right? <laughs> That's a very nice. I wonder where you got that analogy. I, I don't know. It just, just came to me. Just occurred. Yeah. So that's, so people are worried about that. I, I'd be willing to spot them that. Um, like sort of say like, Hey, I, you know, like I, I think this might be a nice accidental discovery, but here are two other things Mm. is AstraZeneca slash the, the research team, um, started put out communications publicly facing talking about the vaccine and its performance in the trial. Mm -hmm. And then they quietly started talking about their concerns to mm. financial investors. Mm. Um, and the, there are a couple different reasons you do this. The big one is if you lie to investors, mm. um, they may not trust you, but mm. also in, here in the United States, you can get, <laughs> you can get huge sue. Like mm. people, people will love to destroy your company by taking all of your money. If you do that, mm. it's unclear what's going on there. We shouldn't, throw everything out. I mean, I think there's like this, it's a different technology. It would be useful in different locations. The costs are way lower. Mm. It's got the right kind of uh, response where it seems to be doing a pretty good job of also um, with the asymptomatic folks. So there's some really nice stuff there, but yeah, it's um, super concerning. Mm. The AstraZeneca Oxford folks, when they realized there was this error, they went, Mm. they did the right thing. They went to the oversight organizations and said, Hey, Mm. we have committed this error. Mm. We can fix it. Here's Mm. how we plan to fix it. The oversight Mm. organizations agreed to that protocol Mm. and they modified it. So it looks like not, it looks like human science where sometimes you just like a human will mess up Mm. and sometimes you get good discoveries. Like it really is possible that this half dose initially really did produce something good, mm. um, but we just don't know. And that makes people concerned and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So okay. bottom line, yeah. old technology seems like it probably worked. This new technology blows my freaking mind. Uh, <laughs> 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 Excited Mike. <laughs> Excited Mike. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Maybe to finish this up, Give me one exciting thing from 2020, um, because it's, there have been a lot of depressing news, but there was also some good stuff in 2020. Kind of like the 
Philadelphia Eagles season. Um, you know, they're, they're three wins, six losses, and one tie. And in America, a tie seems to be even worse than a loss. So, but there's three wins buried somewhere in there. Yeah. So, w- what are you excited about going forward, and and what are you excited about looking back? Um, going forward, I'm excited to in here in the United States watch a very competent administration come in and and like everybody that biden has announced that he's going to be hiring just seems like super boring and super competent and super welfare and it's just like i need that i need to feel like we've got amazing folks who are just there to do their job and and that's the way like a lot of american bureaucracy has been for decades and decades so we're finally getting to the point where things are going to mm. calm down. So I am super excited about how boring things are going to be. Just back to normal in that sense. Back to normal. Yeah. The other thing, I guess for 2020, this is more personal, is I've watched several of my own students. So this is like very personal. My own uh-huh. students like adapt and think through who they would be in mm. a way I don't mm. think they would have outside of the pandemic. So a couple of my, my students have thought a lot about wanting to do um, social justice work, mm-hmm. sort of thinking mm-hmm. about how to improve health disparities, get rid of, you know, disparities that are going on. And um, it's been really hard for mm-hmm. a lot of my students. I think I've seen uh, some pretty clear indications that folks are struggling with depression and um, mm-hmm. some some real like health issues and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they've started to think much more about what it means to be part of a community and what they owe the larger community. And it's just easier to ignore that, especially in Silicon Valley, where a lot of my students are located. It's just easy to be like, oh, I'm going to go to Facebook and make a ton of money. And, you know, I don't don't begrudge anybody that. But like now I see in my students a real desire to act and and work in ways that make the world better. And it just like it just feels good. These are these are really impressive people. And I I want them to be on the front lines fighting these good fights. Mm. Yeah, I guess for me, um, I think one of the most impressive things for this year was uh, seeing my kids through all this um, because they were, you know, you're super worried when something like this happens. How can you even talk to them about something like a pandemic? And uh, But it's really, I mean, four-year-olds, they will adopt to almost anything. Um, so this was the most encouraging thing for me, I think. Um, so they turned four this spring they learned how to ride their bicycles um during that first shutdown that we had and so yeah that was just kind of cool and now it's kind of you know this we're nearing the end of the year we're looking back and uh Carol just sent me a picture i think from early january and i was like wow okay they were so small <laughs> comparatively um like you don't see that day to day but and then, so one Corona moment with them um, when I was picking them up from kindergarten, and they were still uh, in in the back room with the with the educators, and um, they were singing some song, and I was like, okay, what, what is this song? And it turns out it was like a cheerful coronavirus kids song. Oh, oh <laughs> so God! That's just adorable. playfully learning about Corona, and uh, now they they actually kind of sometimes remind us, you know. Um, keep your distance, daddy, you know, blah, blah. And so they, so oh. they know all about it. <laughs> so, yeah. And it doesn't worry them. It's, it's, they're just, you know, it's, for them, it's, it's a part of life now and they've adapted to right. it. Um, and I think that's such a great role model for us adults to just, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it's a very dangerous um, disease, and we shouldn't at all take it lightheartedly um, or lightheadedly. But um, yeah, just we all have to try and make the best of it and continue to have to do that in 2021. And um, and that's yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, just just adapting even more to this, um, continuing the podcast at some point in, in 2021, yeah. coming back after the first 10 episodes. Uh, so this has been... As we go through our hibernation, our well-earned end-of-the-year hibernation. Yes, Winterschlaf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cozy. As soon as I'm finished uploading this episode, I'm basically going to go into the fetal position in my bed <laughs> with five or six blankets and 18 That's, pillows. <laughs> I totally endorse that. That's a And several mugs of hot chocolate, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's 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 my plan for December. Yeah. So, hey, I want to say thank you. I I really like I I really enjoy hanging out with you, and I know this is yeah. like just like a mild excuse like for us to hang out, but I, it feels like we've got a chance to talk some people through. Yeah. Uh, you know, some turbulent times, and so, uh, yo, I really appreciate you as a friend. So this has been really good. Yeah, it was amazing. No, it was really amazing to catch up. Uh, I can't believe we've already done 10 episodes. Um, so it's really, um, yeah, as you say, it's great to hang out more. And we will be back with the Americanist, that's for sure. Happy holidays to everyone, I guess. Um, Christmas time is starting. Thanksgiving is over. Um, and yeah, see you around next year. See you next year, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>